We are speaking with the one and only Kasim Sultan. The new album is Kasim 2021. See how I got that right? I'm, 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 I, I'm very proud of you, Mitch. I, I'm a professional, I gotta tell you. Yeah. But as we say here in Montreal, bonjour et bienvenue. Hello and uh, welcome. Bonjour. Yeah, bonjour. It's it's a pleasure to be here. My French is horrible, even though I took it in school. So I'm not even going to attempt to do anything but say hello. Hi, hi. Yeah. So, so before we get into to your really distinguished career, let's just quickly talk about this album and getting new music out. Because listen, we all know you could go out there and play Utopia's greatest hits or. Bad out of hell, the 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 Kasim, Kasim uh, tribute to bad. You could do that, and people would buy tickets. So talk to me about the need to get new music out, because as a fan of music, I love when artists make new music. I I do not like artists that sit on their hands and say, "Hey, I did it twenty years ago. I'm done. Just you know, buy my greatest hits." You know, it's um, it 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 really is depends on on the particular person and and what motivates you and what drives you some people feel that you know i did that now it's time to garden or you know it's time to like you know do work around the house or um any one of a number of things buy a a, a car a sports car and work on it um from and there's nothing wrong with that but for me i i need to be constantly creating New music, whether or not I, I I chose to put it out, or or if it's just for me, um, it, you know that's kind of besides the fact. But I firmly believe that I was put on this planet to create music, and that's what makes me that that's my happy place. It so. really is. When you get to this point in your career and you're creating new music. What sort of inspires you in the sense that do you look back to the body of work and say, man, Set Me Free was so great. Let me write another 10 like this. Or do you say, yeah, been there, done that. Let me push the boundaries and see where, where I can go. Anytime that that you sit down and, and try to capture lightning again, it, it usually fails more often than not, you know, um, and that and, and, and to me, that kind of that forced creativity is uh, is a mistake. Um, it's not good to uh, to 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 try to force yourself to do something because you think that that's going to be successful. So nine times out of ten, the best thing to do is just let it happen. And you know, it doesn't always work out uh, the way that you plan it to. Um, but you remain true to your to yourself and to your art and to the muse that that makes you create. Absolutely. Um, I do want to quickly uh, touch upon uh, Utopia for a second, and I'm going to start with this. Uh, Todd Rundgren, who of course is going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, produced, I guess, every one of your albums, right? I'm, I'm, unless I'm mistaken, or most no, of them. Todd did not produce any. Oh, you mean Utopia album? Yeah, 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 Utopia. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Todd produced every Utopia album. We the the band kind of co-produced, but for the most part, you know, we we kind of uh, tipped a hat to Todd and to his uh, production credits and the fact that he's done so many records and and they were you know so many successful records. Yeah that uh yeah todd produced all the utopia albums and that's what i mean he he did uh cheap tricks next position please which i think is just a brilliant album but but let me talk to you about that because 
when you're making your own music and you have a member of the band in there, is it not sort of dangerous to not have a set of outside ears, have outside ideas, you, you know, and I'm thinking of the of a Bob Rock or a, or a Bob Ezrin or, or a Ron Nevison to say, hey, that's yeah. great because can it get too self-indulgent? Well, yes, it can. And, <laughs> uh, and, and occasionally it does. Um, I think that uh, in, in, in our particular case, we were all um, we were all well versed enough in, uh, in making records. And mind you, when I joined the band, I had never made a record before. That was the, the first time I had ever recorded uh, a record that was released nationally. Um, so after, uh, after the first two or three records, then you're, you know, you're kind of like, okay, well, we did that and we know how that's going to turn out and let's, maybe we should try this and maybe we should, you know, try that. So we all had a hand in it, but I think that, that, you you know, to overall supervise the overall supervisor of the record, um, was always Todd and you are correct. It, it, it sometimes is difficult to remain um, uh, objective right. when when it comes to your own material. Uh, but I think for the most part that we did a pretty good job of, uh, of, of not being too self-indulgent. Um, uh, you know, we might've gotten, let it got away with it, with us um, uh, here and there, but uh you know, I mean, those are good records. Those are really, really good pop records. And um, true. Yeah. And so we did something right. You did. And uh, I also now want to get to the, the Canadian perspective, because we're talking about Casim 2021. You had Casim mm-hmm. in 1982. Right. Yes, I did. And Don't Break My Heart, the single mm-hmm. charted in Canada. In fact, it was a top 40 hit in Canada. Talk to me about that, and and how does one have a hit just in Canada, but not in the states, or not like what was it about our market where they just went, yeah, we like this guy. This is a good song. You know, again, I have no idea, and the fact that I didn't capitalize on that um, at the time was uh, what it was just criminal. Um, but uh, that was at that at that particular time. That that song spoke to some radio guy up in in Canada, and uh, and yeah, I had a top forty hit on my uh, on my solo record. The problem was, the problem was was that I started the record with Roy Baker, Roy Thomas Baker. Roy Thomas was the, Baker. Yeah, uh, Roy from uh, who produced all Queen. the art records and Queen. Right. Um, and. Uh, and in about six weeks into working with Roy, uh, the project just fell apart. Um, Roy and I didn't see eye to eye on a on a number of levels, and uh, and Roy dropped out. Right. And and, uh, and I had already spent um, about a hundred thousand uh, dollars <laughs> in in terms of Roy's fee and the studio and musicians and incidental stuff here and there. Uh, the record company, thank goodness, uh, Gary Gersh and EMI said, it's OK, we'll find another, you know, we'll find another producer. I found another producer, Bruce Fairburn, Canadian. Yes, the lovely and Bruce Fairburn. God rest his soul, by the way. God rest his soul. One of the most 
brilliant guys I have ever worked with. Just a sweetheart, really nice guy. Took a bus from the <laughs> Staten Island Ferry to my house on Staten Island to work on on tunes for the for the new record because we had to start from scratch. We couldn't wow. use. And I'll just, by the way, I'm just going to throw this in as a Canadian, but that whole scene of Little Mountain, Bob Rock, Jim Valens, Bruce, I mean, just wow. And they created such a drum sound and they created that that whole... All those hits, all that music that that wound up being soundtrack to so many lives. Aerosmith, Bon Joe, I mean, just... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, They they gave me the 80s. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And I got to work with Bruce before Bruce... Bruce became very, very famous. Right. So, um, so in any case, I, I wound up. I went back into the studio, spent another hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a record, <laughs> and uh, so now we're at two fifty. And um, <laughs> and record companies like, well, you know, this record is like it, it, it costs us a pretty a, almost three hundred thousand dollars to produce in nineteen eighty one money. Um, it's like so one point two million at this point. Right. So we don't have to do any promotion on it. It's going to speak for itself, you know, Uh, and that's part of the reason why I did not capitalize on uh, on a a hit in uh, a top 40 hit in in Canada was because there was just no more money left. Wow. Yeah. Boy, boy, I got to say, and and that's when you learned the word recoupment, I'm sure. Yes. Well, I still have not recouped. As, as Matt, yeah, but that's a, that's another story. That's, that's another story for for another yeah. day. Um, I'm going to jump around here because there, your sure. your career is so incredibly diverse. And uh, but the new cars, because you mentioned the cars yeah. with Roy Thomas Baker, and you went uh-huh. out there, and I have the album. I I think the album's great. Yeah, that, that new car. Yeah, it's a, it's like an EP too. Is it an EP or was there a whole album? Oh, it's, it's part half live, half yeah, something like that. But yeah, but there was a and and the tour yeah. was the tour was fun. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but they had you singing "Drive," if if my mm-hmm. memory is not uh, failing. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that because that's a very difficult spot because when the fans are sitting there, they have a memory. They have a favorite guy. Mm-hmm. He passed away. So w- was that difficult for you to convey that? Was it fun for you? Was it a, was it a tribute? Or were you like, oh, boy, maybe we should just skip this one? Um, you know, going into that project um, was was pretty interesting. It was um, uh, put together by Alan Kovac. Yeah, was, big uh, manager. Uh, Motley yeah. Crue. Uh-huh. And Meatloaf. Uh, yeah. Blondie. Um, and uh, so Alan was very, very famous at that time for mm-hmm. um, for kind of reviving careers mm-hmm. that were kind of languishing a little bit right. and uh, and thought that, you know, here's a perfect opportunity to uh, take music that that was, you know, just ridiculously popular um, and, uh, and and bring it back in a live uh, a live setting. Um, when when it came time to delegate, you know, you sing this, Todd singing this, I'm singing this. Uh, uh, um, I specifically wanted to sing Drive because um, that was just a special song to me. It was just a really, really great track. Um, I knew Ben tangentially. We had said hi to each other a number of times over the years. The cars on more than one occasion opened for Utopia before they 
before they were a big act. Um, and uh, along with Cheap Trick, too. Um, and, uh, and so I knew Ben and uh, Elliot Easton uh, had played on my, so, on my first uh, solo record. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I knew Greg um, and David. Not really, I didn't really know Rick, but in any case, um, I just really liked the song and I thought that I could do justice to it because I kind of sing a little bit here and there. And, uh, um, and and I was really happy that I got to sing that song. I still do that song to this day in my solo shows when I play, when I do solo acoustics sh uh, shows around the areas uh, that I play. Um, I play uh, drive on just myself in a acoustic guitar it's a great song oh wow H have you uh, uploaded that to youtube or made it available because I, I would check that out in a minute there are uh there are versions of it on youtube yeah i'm i i i'd have to look I, I, or you can look I'm yeah sure i'll look that, type in uh, and salt and drive is that something uh, as a project that might interest you moving forward is putting out a solo album where you cover a song like Drive and then go back and maybe rework a couple of Utopia tracks and go back to the Kasim album, or Kat Kasim, sorry, album okay. and, and, and rework some of that stuff, you know, give it a 2022 version kind of thing? That might be an idea. I mean, <clears throat> currently I'm just, uh, I'm just concentrating on this record, which was, which yeah. A departure uh, in many ways for me. I, I I don't think that had I left been left to my own devices, I would have made a record like this. Um, it was only because I worked with uh, Phil Thornalley um, as a producer. Uh, Phil produced the, the entire record that um, that I I wound up with the record that was released. Um, I, I I think I uh, it, it would be markedly different if I had done it. Uh, all by myself, which I used—I'm uh, used to doing everything by myself. Working with a producer, it's—it's it's more. Um, there's a little bit uh, more of a sense of urgency because you, you have you're with someone in the studio, and they're like, and, and you say, I can, "I can do that much better," and they're like, "No, it's fine. Let's fine. move on. Let's right. we we've got that. Let's go." Okay, you know. Um, I might still be working on the record if I was by myself. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and, and and it's just nice to have someone to bounce ideas off of and not to just, you right. know. And that's I, what I meant before about being too self-indulgent when you're producing yourself is that you just, you get caught up and I can do better, I can be perfect. Yeah. I can, whereas every so often you just need a producer to go, no, you caught the vibe. Just exactly. Get perfect and vibe. One of, the, one of the most brilliant um, comments that I've ever, Forgot. I've, I've done a lot of work with Jim Steinman, another person, God rest his soul. Yep. Um, and Jim said one of the one of the most poignant things he had, had ever said to me was, you know, Kasim, um, I, I, I remember asking him, you know, do we do you want me to play it like this? Or do you want me to play it like that? It's like, I really can't tell you. He said he said the, the, the whole thing about making a decision is the death of all possibilities. <laughs> True. That's true. So, so, in fact, let me ask you about that. On this new album and albums in general, what are you more concerned with? Catching a vibe and, and having sort of that perfection in the imperfection? Or are you more like, I need the auto-tune, I need the Pro Tools, it's got to be perfect, it's got to be linear, it's got to be... I, I, I absolutely hate auto-tune, and I, I, I right. will 
you know, go out of my way to, to tell producers, do not put auto-tune on my vocal. Right. Um, now, it, can it be used as an effect? Uh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. For sure. But, um, but I, I, I think it just takes a human element out of, you know, uh, there's something about in, imperfection that, that is perfect. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, go back to the early Black Sabbath or, or, or any, and they're, 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 you know, or Rolling Stones with Charlie Watt. He'll start at, at, at a certain beat, and by the end of the song, he's like five times faster, and you go, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and now a producer would run that through a machine and say, don't worry, we'll, we'll correct. And it's just like, no, that's, Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, it's, uh, there are certain um, advantages that we have working with computers and computer, you know, making music with computers yes. that, we never had before but there are also it takes it, you know it does take some of the human element out of it and uh and and, and for me it, the kind of music that i do depends on uh imperfection so you know it's i'd rather it be imperfect yeah you you need to keep that human element and yes you know cutting tape with a razor blade and horrible thank god for, for pro tools and flying yeah. sections and but Man, if you take those early Sabbath or Stones things and you start correcting them, pitch correcting them, mm -hmm. it's, they would just you, sound like cardboard. They would sound horrible. I guarantee it. We, we both know that they would not have the same impact that they do now. Even Led Zeppelin records. Yes. Or, you know, any or, band from the 60s or 70s. Elvis, anybody. Stones, Beatles, anybody. You name it. You know, you start correcting those things, and um, and all of a sudden the, the 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 life is just sucked right out. The whole swagger is gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of old bands and bands from the 60s, uh, the Beatles, you did an album called Deface the Music, which sort of played on Beatles songs. Uh, talk to me about that concept, because it's, you know, when you listen to it, you can hear the influence, but you're not you're not doing a covers album by any means. Um, it's a interesting yet strange album at the same time. So it's like it's 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 like a masterpiece <laughs> right well thanks um that that's that's an interesting way to put it um and the funny thing about that record is we had done a record prior to that mm -hmm. one yeah uh it was called adventures in utopia Utopia. Yeah. um and that record had a, a hit on it a top 20 hit um actually uh, uh or top 30 something like that uh set me free yeah, uh, it was a big record for the band. Um, we were uh, we had sold almost a half a million copies of that record. For Utopia that was unheard of. Right. Um, so both uh, uh, myself and uh, Roger and Willie, the keyboard player and drummer in Utopia, was like, "This is great. We are gonna we are we are poised for greatness here. All we have to do is make another record like this, and we'll be over the top." Right. And uh, and I remember distinctly getting to the studio for the start of, of the next Utopia record and Todd saying, I've already recorded four songs for the record. And we're like, great, Rick, what are we doing? We're doing a Beatles record. What do you mean we're doing a Beatles? Well, what we're doing is, what we're going to do is we're going to take all, all our favorite Beatles songs and rewrite them. And we're like, what? Um, and he's like, yeah, it'll be great. Don't you know? We're, and we're going to record it like live too. We're not going to do hardly any overdubs. And, and and myself and and the two other guys were like, 
uh, is this really a good idea? Is this what we should be doing? Didn't matter. Todd was, you know, hell bent on doing this kind of a record. And, um, and, and unfortunately, uh, right after what, right when the record was released, uh, John Lennon was, or Shot. just prior, yeah, he was assassinated. So the last thing that anyone wanted to hear was a Beatle parody record. Um, but it was a good record and there were all good songs on it. And we did have a good time making the record. And do, do I regret making that record? Absolutely not. Right. And, and I love Todd for, for the fact that he was, he, he specifically said, we are not going to make the same record twice. We're just not going to do that. That's not what we do. I did want to quickly ask you about the, the context at the time, because Double Fantasy comes out. Uh, this album comes out like in early fall and then in the winter, uh, John gets shot. Was, was that sort of strange and disappointing in the sense that here you, you've, you've paid tribute to somebody that you love because you've been in a, in a Beatles tribute band. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, it, it, it just must've been completely bizarre in your own head at the time, just going, wow, double fantasies out. We got, he's got singles on the radio. We're going to have our album. And it just ends before yeah. Christmas. Um, actually, on my birthday. Um, oh, wow. It, yeah, and I was about three blocks away. Um, I'm having dinner with Roy Thomas Baker. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, um, it was, it, it was devastating. By the way, that, that gave me chills. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Um, it was an absolutely devastating event. And... Um, completely just so unnecessary um yeah uh, but uh um I, I don't know that i put two and two together at the time and right. said you know this is the you know this is the worst thing that could happen for uh for a record that we're about to release i think that uh yeah not, and i'm not insinuating that there was any no kind no no of, no, no. I, yeah. I know that i know that but i i even think that that just uh just to this day um you know the 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 impact of losing somebody like that um who was just such a uh a, 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 an amazing um person who did really really good things with his celebrity he really really did he wasn't the kind of celebrity, he wasn't a kardashian right. uh, not that there's anything wrong with that but you know it wasn't like he wasn't famous for doing nothing he was famous for doing something and uh and and his his whole take on you know i grew up i grew up i was a paul mccartney fan when i was a kid i wanted to be paul i wanted to be paul mccartney and it wasn't until uh i i, I was in my in, in my 30s and 40s that i was like you know you know who's the real guy in that band it's john that he was he was the guy he was the real guy and uh unfortunately um, I never, I never met George, but I have met and and said hi to all three. Uh, the Ringo, I've worked with Ringo. I had a wow. nice conversation with Paul uh, a couple of times, and I met John on Seventy Second Street while he was window shopping with Yoko uh, when I was <laughs> seventeen years old. Wow! Wow, that's kind of exciting. So. So then to quickly talk to about that in terms of the Beatles influence, are you one of these that have that story? I saw them on Ed Sullivan and said, I want to do that. And here we are in 2021 going. That's exact. That's exactly. That's what the happened. story. I, I, I uh, you know, my dad, 
brought um, uh, the single home uh, two weeks before. And I remember sitting in my kitchen on, on the kitchen floor with the Victrola and putting the single on that, uh, on the, uh, on the uh, record player. And like, these guys were aliens. I, I don't know where they come from. They're not from this planet. And then two weeks later, they're on Ed Sullivan. And when I saw them on Ed Sullivan, I said, that's what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, so, so let me ask you, since your dad brought the single home, you obviously liked music. Did he encourage you and say, here's a bass or here's a guitar, or, here's a drum, go for it? Or did he say, listen, stop being a silly kid, get over to the factory, learn how to put in rivets, and off you go? I mean, that was my mom. That was your mom. <laughs> my dad was like, if this is what you want to do in life, you tell everybody to go, to, to, go, to go take a flying leap because right. this is what you should be doing. That's amazing because, you know, most musicians that I talk to, it is a parent that was encouraging that said, yeah. go be you and we'll yeah. figure it out. Um, yeah, that was my dad. Yeah, so, he was good. He, he was good for that. So how important was that? And also, you know, as you get into Utopia and you do this other stuff, was he there? Was he involved in the business? Was, you know, did he, did he forward money did how like how how far did the support go i mean was he one of these guys with a backstage pass at every gig going that's my son we played radio city musical right uh, we did two nights at radio city musical utopia right. uh by ourselves there was no opener we played by ourselves at radio city musical my dad came i think the first night and fell asleep in the audience <laughs> he was <laughs> He was he was asleep in you know in his seat because he had worked the whole day. He didn't he didn't See, care. It, it wasn't a review. It was just that he worked all day. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Exactly. But he uh, he didn't care about the, the celebrity. He didn't really? care that his son was you know successful or uh, or making records or you know traveling around the world. He cared that his son was doing what his son loves to do and that he helped. Wow. That's all that added to him. And and here you are in 2021, still doing it. I mean, it's like an ode yeah. to your father every time you step on that stage. It's it's brilliant. yeah, it's uh, yeah. I miss him. You know, he's been gone for about 24 years now, I think. Um, but he was he was a special guy, and uh, yeah, um, I uh, yeah. If, if he hadn't encouraged me, it might have been a, a, a much different journey for me. much different journey well in fact here um since we since you mentioned journey i i interviewed steve perry in 2004 big fan big fan and, and i said to steve i said steve why aren't you out there touring why aren't you singing songs and making albums i mean why are you sort of retired you know this is 2004 and he looked at me and he said mitch my mom and my dad have passed away I have no reason to get on stage because I know they will never hear me again. Aw, that's... It, yeah, it, it was yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. That's... But... Yeah, that's, I mean, but, you know, for me, I I can understand what he says. My mom's 91. Wow. And My dad, too, by the way. That's great. And, uh, you know... Uh, uh, and she, uh, she's drinking the Kool Aid. She loves that. Uh, the fans love her, and she loves coming to see me at show. <laughs> That's great. Um, but uh, but even if she, if if and when, of course, uh, she she goes. Um, I don't know that I would stop because a parent, uh, you know, it's like I do what I do. 
for me, uh, but also because I bring some joy to a few people. And that's what's most important to me. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and before we, we wrap up, uh, just quickly, uh, working with Meatloaf and, mm -hmm. and the success that had, I mean, how unexpected was that? Or, or did you just listen to the album and, that you played on and just went, yeah, that, th this, is, this, is, this is the real deal here? <laughs> no, I thought the opposite, yeah. actually. Um, uh, we, uh, we did that record. Uh, re we rehearsed the record for two weeks. Uh, there was four people in the room. It was my, well, I mean, besides Jim and me, uh, there was myself, Todd on guitar, Max Weinberg on drums, yeah. and Roy on keyboards. And we recorded that record in two weeks, um, the basic <laughs> for, for Bad Out of Hell. Um, when I finished my part, after I did some, I did some background vocals on the record as well. When I, when I was done, I was convinced I would never hear that record again. I will never hear this music again. I did it. It was good. It had a good time. I, I got to work with Roy Bitten, who was an amazing keyboard player. Um, and then about a year and a half later, um, I was driving in my car up to Woodstock to start a Utopia tour, a Utopia record or something like that. And I'm listening to the radio and, and I heard something vaguely familiar uh, uh, on WNEW FM in New York. And I'm like, where, where have I heard that song before? Um, <laughs> oh, right. That's the record that I did a year and a half ago with Todd and, and Roy Bitten. Um, that's great. That's all oh, those guys got their, this song on the radio how cool is that <laughs> 52 million 46 million records later, later. It's one, still one of the biggest records of all time what's amazing about it is that pretty much all of utopia played on it i'm just looking yeah. at you todd's on there you're on there uh mm -hmm. willie's on there mm -hmm. yeah and <laughs> roger plays on, on one song i think yeah so so you've got the uh let's see roger powell it says he's played on four songs apparently according to oh, okay but oh, yes okay. Yeah, well, um, I played based on that whole record, and so I'm very, very proud of that record. Yeah, it's it's well, listen, it's a it's it's an interesting record, and and like like I like when you hear it the first time, you go, "There's no way this is going to be big," and then of course you hear yeah. Dashboard Light and two hours, yeah. and you go, "You go, yeah, all right, I got it." Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll I'll wrap up on this for for Utopia. How do you sort of sum up the career? I mean, in 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 one hand. You know, you didn't get to that level of Metallica or U2 or Madonna or whatever. But on another level, plenty of records, uh, great uh, fan following, great, I don't want to say cult following because that sounds sort of diminutive. But, you know, people know the name. People respect the name. You've gone on to do, do great stuff. Todd's gone on to do great stuff. So how do you how do you sort of sum up Utopia? I'll tell you, um, yeah, we weren't hugely successful as a uh, as as a, like mass appeal or anything right. like that. But, but you're not a failure by any any stretch no, of the no, imagination. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Great, ba but, great band. But here's the thing about Utopia, and right. the thing that that I hang my hat on. Um, I went to see uh, um, Ringo, uh, mm -hmm. the All Star Band, uh, and I took my kid with me. I, I took my son. And uh, we went to um, uh, some venue in Pennsylvania.
Pennsylvania because they were close by New York. And I wanted to say hi to Mark Rivera, who's Ringo's saxophone player, and uh, Greg Bissonette, the, the second yeah, drummer. The, the drummer. Uh, and, and Lukather, Steve Lukather, who was playing guitar at the time. So uh, I got there for the sound check. I was hanging out on stage and uh, I had my son with me on stage and Steve um, came uh, came up and I introduced him to my son. And Steve said to my son, he said, he said your dad, your dad's a, a kick ass bass player. And so the point that I'm trying to make is um, is that Utopia was a band that other musicians really enjoyed listening to. And if I had a nickel for every time a peer of mine, someone who I grew up listening to said, you play in Utopia. That's a great band. That was a great band. Richie Sambora, Jason Faulkner, um, Cy Kernan. uh, I I mean, I, if I if I went through my phone and looked at at the the names in my phone, Rick Nielsen, uh, Robin Zander, Tom Peterson, um, Daryl and John, and yeah. uh, you know all these people who were like Utopia, that was a musicians band. That was a great musicians band, and and that's what means the most to me about that band. That my and peers, yeah. I'm just gonna say, are you happy that you're a musicians band and that you didn't chase singles and you didn't you didn't be contrived and just say we're going to be a top 10 band and we're we're going to go right you know we're going to get vinnie poncia and we're or desmond child and we're going to go right i was made for loving you and be be it <laughs> listen would i like to be dry you know would i like to have to choose between the the tesla x or the ferrari <laughs> yeah i would like that but i don't so so what i have to choose from is um it, it, it is the it, 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 the the um, acknowledgement of my uh, of my musicianship by my peers, which is in the big picture, more important. Yeah, it kind of is. And uh, yeah. you did mention Richie Sambora. You played with Richie for a while. Didn't yeah, you? I did. Yeah, yeah, I was in one of Richie's solo bands. And just talk to me about that experience real quick, because I think much like Steve Lukather, he is one of the most underrated guitarists. Underrated because- guitar players, just a brilliant guy. And I, I had such a good time working with Richie. I had such a, a, an amazing time. And I've worked with John, too. But I've oh, also, wow. I, 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 had, I had such a great time working with Richie that I sat down after a tour and wrote his mom a letter <laughs> telling her what a wonderful son she raised. Wow. That's yeah. good. What, what did you do with John? I, I, I'm not. Uh, I played a couple of gigs with John. Uh, we did a, a British Music Awards together. I, oh, okay. I played in the band for a, a heartbeat because Alec uh, wasn't at the at a show, and I did a fan party with John, and we've been friends. Uh, oh, for, wow. you, uh, wait, you actually played in Bon Jovi because Alec wasn't there. Yeah, uh, we did the Brit a Brit Awards show. How did I miss that? I'm a huge Bon Jovi fan. Well, hey. Nine- 1995 it was myself uh and brian may was in the band too oh wow and i guess yeah. uh, i guess yui mcdonald wasn't available that night because yui was not doing the live shows alec was still doing all the live all shows. the live shows oh wow yeah. yeah and look who they called they go we'll get the guy from utopia well i just happened to be on the concord with them uh and <laughs> at, they were going to get somebody in england and john said are you gonna because i was at the brit awards with meatloaf right so um, so he said, if you can, he said, do you think you could perhaps you could play the song with us? Uh, uh, cause we have like one song to do on this show. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll be there anyway. 
What, should, what what song did you do? Ninety five. So that's got to be like these days or something for the pain or no. Um, uh, Sleep when I'm dead. Oh, there you go. That's a perfect yeah. song. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm gonna go look. That's got to be on YouTube. But look it up. It's got to be somewhere. It's got. And you you haven't done any of the John Solo stuff, have you? The uh, no, destination. I, I would, huh? I, no, I would love to work with John again, but um, no, it has. Yui's got that gig all lined up. So Yui he's, he's... is the nicest person you'll ever meet. And I know. also a monster player. I mean, he just... Well, you know, Yui played on all the records. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Everything. He's, yeah. he's on, on from record one. That's from, Yui. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know that for two reasons. One, because Aldo Nova lives down the street from me. And so we've had this conversation. I know Aldo. Yeah. Aldo, Aldo's great. He, he literally lives 10 minutes from me. I, I've been to uh -huh. his house a bunch of times. Um, and um, Richie Sambor told me in an interview. I said, so, you know, let's be honest. Why... Uh, why uh why didn't alec play on the records and he said listen we were moving too fast and alex was moving too slow alec was moving too slow yeah hey, that's whatever. okay it's all right yeah but utopia no ghost musicians no ghost musicians never but never have you done the ghost musician thing because steve lukather is like on 2500 records um i you know there are a couple records out there that have that have my performance on it that i either don't remember or not credited for but that's okay say la vie right. yeah say la vie <laughs> uh casim 2021 available now fantastic record just a fun fun listen i i encourage everybody to go check that out and uh as we say in montreal merci this absolute pleasure merci merci it was my pleasure mitch i really really enjoyed this talk it was really a lot of fun yeah thank you and i, I know we sort of jumped around neurotically but i mean listen you, you've been around for 50 years what am i supposed to do <laughs> and no no we had a great time <laughs> thank you sir and uh anytime let's do uh anytime you have anything just let's tell chip or tell whoever and let's set another one up because you got more it. than happy to and i've thank got you. so many more layers of the onion to peel so yes absolutely yeah we'll do it again merci cheers okay bye-bye Cheers. All right.